This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast, episode number 67. Today is Tuesday, November 6, 2018. It's election day, folks. Get out there and vote today. Vote, vote, vote. I am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I got my Tuesday Pet with Pucks segment partner. Tone Pucks will be in the house with me for the duration of today's podcast. And man, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, that includes the Buffalo Bills. I pose this question. By investing so heavily on the defensive side of the ball this offseason... Are the Buffalo Bills building the organization wrong in today's NFL? I suppose that's a question that will be answered in time. But one thing that doesn't take time to figure out is that their offense is the absolute worst, maybe in the history of the franchise, if not the NFL. I mean, it's downright embarrassing. And never was that more evident than this past Sunday when the Bills got their asses handed to them yet again, this time by the Chicago Bears. 41-9 41-9 in their own house. They fought a 2-7 and seven on the year. And again, I mean, the defense wasn't great either. Don't get me wrong. But the offense, it just it can't get much worse than that. So we discussed that. We also discussed if it's time for the Bills to move on from Nate Peterman completely. Here's a spoiler alert. It is. The answer's resoundingly yes. We also hit on if LaShawn McCoy should still be a part of the Bills' plan going forward after this season. The uselessness at tight end that is the perennial banged-up Charles Clay. The wasteland that is the offensive line. And I asked Pucks, what motivation do Buffalo Bills fans have to attend the rest of this home schedule? They still got four more home games to come in a miserable loss season when the weather gets cold, nothing to play for. Just a miserable time to be a Bills fan. So what motivation the Bills fans have to still go to these games. Now, if the Bills aren't your thing, we're also hitting on the surprisingly good start of the Buffalo Sabres. I also give props to the Boston Red Sox, even though I hate it and it makes me sick, but they are the World Series champs. Much respect, dude. They had a great season. They were the best team from start to finish. We hit on them. We switch things up, and we talk about the Billboard Top 10 songs from 30 years ago. 30 years including the number one track from a Tom Cruise movie. See if you remember that when you hear it. Tone has a puck drop on Buffalo Sabres forward Sam Reinhart. I have my pet peeves of the week, which include having to wish people a happy birthday on Facebook. 
and a whole lot more. It's a fun segment, a full hour segment, and a lot to get to. I don't really have much more to add than that. And I'm not going to waste your time today indulging in any self-promotion here at the top. So let's just get right to it. Here's this week's Pat with Pucks. Pat with Pucks. Are you a big man? Pop, I'm talking to you. What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants. Look, I'm wearing a belt. I got big boy pants on. (laughs) Oh my God, that is funny. Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off, please. All right, as always, I'm joined by my buddy Tone Pucks for another edition of Pat with Pucks. My man, let me tell you something, okay? I'm at the point of the season already where watching the Buffalo Bills play on Sunday afternoons, it's literally putting me in a bad mood, ruining my day. And that's in part because I spend, what, at least three hours every Sunday afternoon thinking of more productive and fun shit that I could be doing with my life, that I should be doing with my life, but I'm not. And this week was even worse. I'll tell you, I got extra annoyed this weekend. Let me tell you why, too. What was it? Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday, the Buffalo Sabres played an afternoon game against Ottawa Senators, completely dominated them, put up nine goals. That was awesome. So you take that because of that, naturally. And the fact that the Bills stink, they're, you know, a big tire fire, a dumpster, a travesty, whatever you want to call it. I don't give a shit. Throw out any adjective that you want. Bottom line, they stink. So you take the Sabres scoring nine goals and the, and, and the Bills being terrible, I had to see a million tweets and Facebook statuses from idiots saying, you know, the Sabres scored more than the Bills will on Sunday. (laughs) Most of them, of course, you know, they come from people who don't know shit about sports. That casual sports fan that still tweets and Facebooks all the time, which is nothing more I hate than that, drives me absolutely crazy. But you know what? It turns out those idiots that I'm talking about, they weren't wrong. They weren't wrong, man. The Sabres scored nine goals. Bills score nine points. When does it end? When does it stop? When does it get better if you're a Buffalo Bills fan? Oh, not this year. But, you know, I I just had a thought while you were saying that, though. We were actually a a Chicago Bears, I think, encroachment or, or some sort of penalty away from being able to get to the 10th point. Um, which would have beat the Sabres from uh, from the day before. Because, I, you know, I, I didn't even think that I'd be getting into this in the open. But do you remember that the Bills were lining up for an extra point Yeah. Uh, after their one touchdown? And then this is, this is fucking hilarious, and it's super pathetic. And then a penalty on the Bears moved the ball forward, what, one yard, right? It's, yeah, it's after this is. Yeah, from the two to the he one. Trots, he trots the offense back out there and throws a fucking fade. I mean, <laughs> let's think about that, dude. Think about that. I know, my God. All I'm, right. I'm speechless. They move a yard closer, all right, on an extra point, roll the offense back out there and throw the exact same fade that they could have done from the two. Uh, let, we'll, I'm sure we can find a way to, to, to get into that later. But, yes, I was annoyed by the – you know, by the the Saber fans or or just the casual fans cracking on the uh, on the nine Saber goals versus what the Bills would score. But you know what? 
the overreacting fan to how bad the Bills are, you know, the 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 fan that is still thinks they're terrible even when they're like six and six and not that bad of a football team, as as has been the case, you know, under Ryan and and for a couple of years, you know, before that, a lot of years of the drought. You know what I mean? Let's, right. let's be honest. The drought wasn't a bunch of terrible teams. It was a bunch of mediocre teams that went on forever, but yet you still had fans talk as if they were terrible. This is their year. This is, this is those fans year because all of the, the reaches, all of the overreactions, all of the exaggerations are true about this team. So uh, it was true again from the Sabres output on Saturday to the Bills output on Sunday and I'm sure there will be more hilarious comparisons to be made over the course of the, the next couple of months of, of terrible football. Let me ask you this, okay? I got it. This is kind of to be, this will probably be like a hodgepodge of Bills-related topics. I got some notes written down, no specific order that we're going to get into them. You may say something that strikes a thought in my head, and you just did now. Before I get into the other stuff that I actually have written down, why do you think that's the case? Why did this team go from being, and look, we both know that the Bills were not a playoff caliber team last year, even though they made the playoffs. But how did they go from being upper mediocre to competitive to just being this bad where watching a game on Sundays is either painful or hilarious, I guess, depending on your perspective. But how did it go from being watchable last year and competitive and fun to be in punishment this year, at least on offense, because I mean, this is literally as bad as I could ever remember a Buffalo Bills offense playing ever. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to compliment you on being able to squeeze your notes into, into the segment. I actually, believe it or not, uh, wrote myself a quick note during your open that I failed to get to. Do you want to know what it says? What? It says, you ain't got more productive and fun shit to do on a Sunday than watch the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't, that's what my notes say. That's, that's, those are you're ha- you're half so right. Fun. I don't have more fun and productive shit to do, but I do have more fun and productive games that I could be watching. That's, I, I don't that's, take advantage of the true. Sunday ticket enough. I, last week, I didn't watch the second half. This game, I watched most of it, and I shouldn't have. I should have been flipping around more. So, yeah, you're right, man. I ain't got shit to do. All right, look, to talk about the how we got here, all right, means that we've got to get into the nuts and bolts of this of this conversation real early on here in our taping, okay? Because that's that that question is is the big answer. It's the big question, I guess I should say, for what I want to get into today. So if you've got other little things to get into, we should probably do that now. All right, let's do that. Let's go that route. How we got here, all right, is the big conversation, for me anyways. I agree with you. We'll get to that. Let me start by reading a tweet from Nate Gary of WGR. By the way, he's got a lot of takes that I agree with and some that I, man, I vehemently disagree with that I can't stand. But I want to get your thought on this one specifically. This is a tweet from Monday as we're taping. He says this. He goes, you don't get four years to write the ship. The pressure will be notched up a bunch in 2019. They'll need to show considerable improvement offensively and that their quarterback is on the right track or they likely don't get to 2020. This isn't FCS. You don't get four years to build a program. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, first off, it's just to put it in, in total context, that is a response to a tweet by Aaron Quinn, who I, I think is. He's a cover one guy. Yeah, he's sort. a blogger. Okay. Yep, yep. All right. And, and his tweet was the Bills are all about 2020. 2019 could be fun, but the vision they speak of is a vision of the 2020 and beyond Buffalo Bills. And then he said he's cool with that. You know, they're both right. And and I get where Nate's coming from with his response. I agree that the cycle in the NFL is a three-year cycle. But the reason why these guys could possibly get, you know, a four-year cycle is because year one, it you know, it just the, the the clock shouldn't couldn't really start in year one. They couldn't really do the heavy lifting that a lot of teams do in year one because of the way the roster was comprised as you exited the Rex Ryan era. Okay. That re- those Rex Rex teams had talent. Okay. They they sure. were talented football teams with a mediocre quarterback and terrible coaching, quite frankly, when, when Rex, you know, got his got his uh his hands on that defense and and tried to, you know, take that D and, and put it into his schemes and, and everything became a mess there. Agreed. But just from, from a roster perspective, all right, this wasn't terribly spent money uh, like, like you see a lot of other teams do when they change over, you know, when they change regimes. And it wasn't, this is also an important part, it wasn't contracts that were near the end that you could just walk away from guys that were in the washed up phases of their career and uh you know where they were no longer uh living up to their contract you can, you had guys in the middle all right of their biggest deals that they're going to see in the NFL and it's a long list man all right you go Darius you go Glenn you go Clay you go the 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 raise that Shady got Hughes uh Jerry Hughes you had a lot of guys that you just it would just have been totally negligent to simply walk away from so what did they do they tried to gain assets for the ones that didn't fit and they kept around the ones who did and by keeping those guys around, they went out and they had a competitive season, you know, and, and fortunately for them, you know, the, that competitive season resulted in a very unlikely playoff. And some people are going to say, oh, you can't just give them that extra year because they, you know, they lucked into a playoff spot. And you know what? I'm OK with people who say that. I don't think they're wrong, but I'm not giving them the extra year because they lucked into a playoff spot. I'm giving them the extra year because they simply could not start their build until year two. And that's why, you know, as as long as Quinn's vision that they can be fun next year, which, uh, you know, would, would assume an, an improvement, that's why Quinn's vision of them being fun next year, being good enough, to give them 2020 is one that I agree with. And it's not to say that I disagree with Nate, but I, I believe it all comes down to the fact that, you know, the first year just didn't count. And, and it's not because it's not because they made the playoffs or anything like that. It's because they inherited a roster that they just couldn't start to tear down yet. And I give them 
props. And it's one of the reasons why I, I, I really liked McBean, quote unquote, is they didn't try. They, they didn't go negligent on you. They didn't cut a guy like Cordy Glenn or, or, or stuff like that. They didn't just take anything that they could, all right, to tear it all down. They gave us a season. They took a roster of fairly talented guys, and they gave us the most fun that we've had watching football in a lot of years. And, you know, they, they found a way to make, make the playoffs when a lot of people wanted them to tank. And it just turns out that the tank came in year two. And I'm okay with the clock resetting in, in, in year two. And that's also an answer, <laughs> you know, we said, you know, not to get into the nuts and bolts of it. And then I did ex exactly that anyways. But that's also an answer to the question that you laid out at the very beginning of why is it so bad now? It's so bad now because this is the depleted version that you normally see in year one of a rebuild. Yo, know, I, I agree with you that I think they're going to get to 2020 for reasons you said. And I do agree with that. I also think that Pagula just really likes Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And I don't, short of maybe going one in 15 or two and 14 in 2019, I don't see any way that they don't get that. Well, I guess that would be their fourth year then. Let me sure. say this though. Here's something that's really hard to understand. This offseason, I mean, you couldn't praise Brandon Bean enough. Making the trades that he did two years ago and the Bills still making the playoffs and then flipping Tyrod Taylor for a third flipping Cordy Glenn to get it, you know, the swap first and move up in the draft. The guy couldn't seemingly do any wrong. Now, I mean, man, what, a half a season into uh, 2018, one game more. Fans seem to have turned on him pretty goddamn quick. Wouldn't you agree? It's because the offense is so glaring. It's, it's, it's rare that you see a team in the middle of trying to rebuild or whatever. Um, look so good on one side and so awful on another. And I think, you know, the optics of that can be pretty bad, especially when it's, you know, when it's the offense that looks so terrible in, in, a, in an era when everybody's offense looks great. You know, you're going to eat a lot of crow for, uh, for an offseason that did not address the offense very much. Let me ask you this, Tony. My apologies, by the way, for cutting you off there on your answer. Do you think that the Buffalo Bills are building wrong? This doesn't feel like a defense and run the ball type of league anymore that wins championships. I mean, you look at the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs. Those are just a couple of teams off the top of my head right now as evidence. Yet it seems like the Buffalo Bills are trying to have that late 80s, maybe 1990s model of playing killer championship defense and just being efficient, just being okay on offense. You know, not turning the ball over and losing games that way. And then having a defense like the 85 Bears or those 2000 Ravens or whatever. I don't remember the year, but the year that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and they had that amazing defense. I mean, listen, the Bills, they're not even close to being efficient on offense. But you get what I'm saying. It feels to me like this is the Sean McDermott way have an incredible defense and just have a so-so offense. And that could be good enough. Kind of like last year, but even winning more games than nine and seven, you know, maybe going 12 and four with the best defense in the NFL, maybe in years. Do you think that this is a model that'll ever work for the Buffalo Bills? 
I think you have to be better than okay on offense. I think any model that only makes you okay on offense is not one that will succeed. But I'm not ready to say that that's necessarily the model. I just, I I feel like, and it's very easy to say with McDermott coming from a defensive background, it's very easy to say that the defense got all the attention and that's because it was planned that way or, or you know, McDermott pushed it that way. And, and that might be true. It, it also true. might it, it also might be true. Well, the the truth in that is that yes, McDermott's the you know the defensive background guy with the biggest voice in the room, you know uh, that that Bean's listening to. But they also had a first year coordinator who doesn't come in and start demanding shit. All right, this never happens. The offense you never see an offense get ignored this badly with a veteran OC who's been around for a couple of years because that OC gets in the GM's ear and says, "No way you fuck me this bad, all right?" Or because it, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna ruin my my chance of any job in the future. Dable just simply didn't have a strong enough voice, okay, when a bunch of trades are being made to draft uh, Tremaine Edmonds and, and and all that sort of stuff. That's part of the problem. But all right, but back to the my original point with how the defense was built. I w- I could argue that they simply went out and made the best deals that they could to get the best players they could. Like the draft board, you know, it's, it's usually, in, in the case of the Bills, it applies very much to uh, to free agency with Latule and, uh, uh, and Trent Murphy. But, you know, what do, you, what do they always say with the draft? All right, we're just going to get the best football players. Yeah. And I feel like they went into the offseason and said, you know, free agency, we're just going to get the best football players that fit into, you know, smart deals for us for now and the future. And they identified Murphy and they identified uh, Latule. And I'm, I think I get that wrong every time, but there might be an extra syllable in there, but I call him Latule. <laughs> um, so they identified those two. And then comes the draft. And that's the big one. I've, I've I'm pretty sure I've alluded to this before. They did not see themselves trading those picks for for Tremaine Edmonds. You know, they're, those were probably one off or, or one middle linebacker in like the you know the second round and two offensive would be starters that got traded for one superior talent in the middle of that defense. And that's just the way the cards fell this offseason. And they get, had a little too much faith in their ability to at least maintain, you know, an, a competent-looking offense because they've been anything they've been anything but. But, you know, to, to say that the, this is the way that the Bills are building it, I, I just think would be a little premature. I feel like... It's just the way this past offseason fell. Now, once you're here in the coming offseason, you can't you can't sell that bullshit again. Now you have clear needs on one side of the football. You can't go get, you know, uh, Lorenzo's Alexander's replacement in, in free agency. You know what I mean? Right. Um, now you have to go offense. But man, it, it, you could argue that they the covers were bare on both sides, and uh, and the fact that they addressed defense in year one could just be a case of that's where the value fell in free agency in the draft, and we can't ignore 
that as much as, you know, we want to say they ignored the offense, they went and got the quarterback. They, you know, we're not seeing it yet, but you can't just completely ignore the fact That's that, true. that they went and got the quarterback, which everybody says is the biggest thing that you got to go get when you're addressing the offense. I Look, I am sounding like an apologist today. I, I don't know why. But I've, I've I've had my fill of rants and raves over the you know this 2018 Buffalo Bills. I'm done with the 2018 Buffalo Bills. I'm trying to figure out what's in store for the 2019 and beyond Buffalo Bills. That is how I'm going to extract some pleasure from this sport over the course of the next however many months. And that's that's what you're hearing today. Good point about Josh Allen. You know, if he was healthy and if he was playing even reasonably well, I don't think anyone would be bitching about the offense this year. People would be in a much better mood and looking forward to next year. You said the word apologist. It's funny you say that. Before we started taping, I was talking to our boy, Spinnett Scully, who, of course, is the biggest Buffalo Bills optimist ever. Dude, he's even down on this team right now. I, It's almost unheard of to hear it from him. We were talking, and we'll talk about this, me and you, more in depth. Maybe when the Bills have a buy-in and we don't we don't have to talk about a, a, a game recap. But quickly. Yo, what about Skull tweeting at EJ though? <laughs> Did, Did he? No, I didn't see yeah. it. Oh, he didn't want to hear he didn't want to hear EJ ripping into Peterman, <laughs> so he reminded him of the game in London. It was beautiful. <laughs> oh, you gotta see that, man. Although I'm gonna have to check that out. Now. But seriously, we did have a conversation and, and concluded that listen, this is an offense that probably has three guys who are locks to be back. Josh Allen, Zay Jones, and Deion Dawkins. They're back for sure. I would say Shady's a maybe, and maybe DeCosta's a maybe. So even if so, that's five. You're probably looking at five to six new people on offense that need to be replaced in 2019. Easier said than done, by the way. Cap room or not, good luck convincing some of these guys if the money's equal to come here right now with the way this offense is looking. But let's leave that on the table for right now. We'll talk about that more during the bye week, which is coming up in two weeks. This game itself, dude, let me run two stats by you that I read today. 38 drives without a touchdown before finally scoring. And by the way, that touchdown that they did score, they only scored that shit because Chicago had three defensive penalties. And then it still took them, I think, what, five or six tries from goal to goal to finally get in the end zone. Just deplorable. And I've read this from Sal Mariano. I'm going to credit him because he's the one who tweeted it. I don't know if he came up with the stat or not. Did you know this? They held the Chicago Bears to 190 yards Sunday and 11 first downs, yet they lost by 32 points. It's the first time since at least 1940. Dude, that's 78 years that that's happened in the NFL. God, isn't that tough to even hear shit like that? I don't know. I didn't hear anything you said after we have to do one of these on the bye week. Why do we got to do one of these on the bye week? Because I want to get to some other shit. Maybe a couple of topics that aren't so freaking dreary to talk about every week. <laughs> Yo, man, look, I-, I said this before and I'll say it again. This season is such a train wreck, such an, and, and, and a bit of an anomaly to have a-, a defense that's this good. Not like historically good or some shit, but pretty good. But, you know, very good. And an offense that's this bad. It's just going to feed into uh, and quarterbacking this this anemic. It's just going to feed into a plethora, as El Guapo would say, a plethora of uh, of stats that, that are eye-opening, and they just don't open my eyes anymore because there's so many of them. I don't give a shit. 
I know you don't give a shit much about stats, and you're probably not going to care about these stats either, but I got to throw this out there. Nate Peterman stats there, okay? The guy completes 31 passes, 49 attempts, but only throws for 189 yards. He throws three interceptions, although in complete fairness to Nate Peterman, two of those interceptions I don't think were his fault. One of them, definitely not. Second one, you can make a case either way. But, man, how do you complete 31 passes and only throw for 189 yards? But like you said, you don't give a shit about stats. This ain't about stats. I don't even care so much about the stats. I'll tell you what I do care about, though. End of the half, last play of the half, an untimed down. Buffalo has the ball to Chicago 37. Throw the ball into the end zone. Who knows what happens? Maybe Benjamin or Pryor come up and they make a big catch or it gets intercepted, whatever. You got nothing to lose at that point. A pass interference call, lots of things could happen. But no, Nate Peterman takes off on the right side, runs, surrenders himself out of bounds, doesn't even throw the ball into the end zone on an untimed down the end of the half with nothing to lose. Yeah, I, I mean, people forget he actually did it twice. He, he did it on the he did it on the play before too, but he only got another look at it because you know because uh, I think he he was taken down by his face. Is that proof that he's scared? Is he scared at this point? Do you he's think scared. he's scared? Yeah. It's yes. in his head. Yes. It's in his yes. mind. The fans. Yes. He doesn't want to throw yes. any more interceptions. He doesn't want to be ridiculed yes. by ESPN and everyone else. That's the yes. only explanation I could possibly think of to not throw the ball up in the end zone. Scared that you're going to get, you know, another interception yes. on the stat sheet. So 100% correct, you know, statement right there. The, the explanation, I think you said. Uh, it's a 100% correct explanation right there. Uh, it is to the point now where he's, you know, he, he's reading the headlines. He knew that he was, you know, those interceptions, uh, the pick sixes, whatever, were much of the same story. You know, Nate Peterman needs to sit on a practice squad or, you know, play a year of football, uh, you know, in, in Canada. Uh, I don't know. Is, is Canada. Yeah, no, I'm not trying like to be that. funny. I and just. No, I, no, you're not. You're not. Nate, Nate Peterman needs to get out of the public eye for uh, a couple years and then see if somebody, you know, gives him a shot uh, another time, you know, down the future to, to, to earn a living playing football. You know, because that's what it that's what it comes down to now. You know, now he's he's in real jeopardy of never having an opportunity to, you know, to, to earn a living playing football. And the Bills handling of it probably plays a part in that. And I would say that McDermott knows that. And that's why it's been difficult to just, you know, to just cut the cord, you know, with with the kid. But, you know, that's. Based on what you're saying right now, we're taping this Monday, slightly before Sean McDermott gives his presser, and I'd be willing to bet anyway, he's not going to have any further information about Derek Anderson. I'm sure he's going to say that we'll see, you know, how his concussion is and how he progresses throughout the week. But let's just say right now, for the sake of discussion, that Derek Anderson is healthy enough to play against the Jets. Based on what you saw yesterday, and I guess the whole body of work, if you're Sean McDermott right now and you have a healthy or at least a healthy enough Derek Anderson on Sunday, who are you trotting out there against the Jets? Yeah, I'm trying I'm trotting out Derek Anderson. I'm giving my offense an opportunity to be, you know, to be competent. I'm giving the defense uh, you know, some sort of moments of pause to not put nine men in the box so that my star running back or, you know, in name anyways, 
uh, is not averaging one yard a carry. So yeah, I'm 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 rolling out Derek Anderson. I'm done with the with with the Nate Peterman experiment. I'm I'm probably releasing him and then hoping that I can slide him out. No, no there's no hope to it. <laughs> Nobody signing him. <laughs> you um, slide him on the practice I, I, squad? I, I, Seriously? I, I just, it, I'm I'm well yeah no I am <laughs> I am I'm 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 putting well hold on now all right what have I always said uh, we said we talked about this back in the beginning of the year when they traded McCarron and we liked the trade of McCarron for a five I would always carry a a, a a quarterback on my practice squad so yeah I'm 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 hanging on to him I'm keeping him around because I fucked the kid you know. Look, tell me, just just help me out with this here. My, this is my last Nate Peterman, uh, you know, defense. But when Josh Allen's playing with a bunch of jerk-offs and nobodies, all right, we can't assess Allen's play because he's playing with a bunch of jerk-offs and nobodies. When Nate Peterman's playing with a bunch of jerk-offs and nobodies, we can competently say he's the worst quarterback to ever suit up in the NFL. Well— now. I mean, this is this this. It's just just a little bit of devil's advocate here. At least he's trying to throw the football a little bit, you know, when he was getting picked. And you know, don't even get me started on Kelvin Benjamin not finishing routes and how many of the picks were a product of that. But I, you know, when you laugh, when you when when you talk about him not being like practice squad worthy, I'm 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 gonna take a little bit of offense to that because. There's a really there's there's a, a double standard here when it comes to the how we talk about you know our 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 future with the weapons uh, with you know one young quarterback with with no weapons and the other young quarterback with no weapons. Well, let me say this: I think there's a million reasons why the comparison between them two is absurd, whether they're playing with jerk offs or not. For starters. I bet my life that Josh Allen does not run out of bounds at the first and in the first half. I don't give a shit if he threw seven interceptions in the first two quarters. He's throwing the ball in the end zone. He's trying to score and he's trying to make a play. Peterman, to me, he just surrendered there. As far as the practice squad, this is why I don't agree with you. And I will say this. I think it's unfair. I don't think the guy is quite as bad as his numbers indicate. Yesterday was a perfect example. You can't put some of those interceptions on him. One was Benjamin's fault. One was clearly... Terrell Pryor's fault, who stuck his foot in his mouth, by the way, last week. Clearly big time. Jesus Christ. But, We're going to make him look good. Yeah, exactly. We're going to yeah, make him look good. You're, great you're job, made, Terrell. Your man couldn't have handed the ball. You know what? I got to call my, let me call myself <laughs> out too. You know what? I got to be fair here. I bash everyone else. I'm going to bash myself. Facebook, 20 minutes before the game, I predicted that Chicago was going to win. I think it was 23 to 10. And I predicted that the Bills' bright spot on Sunday was going to be Terrell Pryor. I predicted that shit. So I'm going to put myself on blast. That was just fucking stupid. But anyway, let me get back to my point here. I think you got to wash your hands with Nate Peterman as soon as possible. I think soon as Josh Allen's going to be resumed throwing this week, I would think that he's definitely not going to play against the Jets. And they got to buy. Maybe he comes back against Jacksonville a couple weeks. If he does, Derek Anderson's your backup. Maybe even keep Barkley if he insists on having a third, but I don't think so. You can get rid of him and just bring him right back. I don't think you bring Peterman back. Roll with Josh Allen and Derek Anderson. Let Barkley go back to golfing or whatever it is. And if something happens, you need to re-sign him. Re-sign him again because he knows the offense. I just think mentally, Peterman's checked out. I think he's shot. I think his teammates, none of them, who could possibly believe in Nate Peterman at this point that's on that Buffalo Bills team? He comes out. 
you know, to start a series. Don't tell me those other 10 guys in the huddle are like, oh, fucking, here we go. Here we go. You know what I mean? Not necessarily, not necessarily all his fault either. Let's be a little bit fair to the guy. Again, I don't think he's quite as bad as the numbers indicate. He's certainly not good. But I just think for that reason alone, I think you really need to wash your hands with him. May let the guy go find peace somewhere. Let, I don't care if it's another team, if he gets another crack with, maybe place or Toronto in the CFL or Bill Polian's new league somewhere. Or I don't know, who knows? Oh, maybe yeah. he just retires from football, but he's just done. He's mentally and physically done. I don't see any benefit to keeping him on the practice squad because eventually he's going to, he might have to play again. If he's on the practice squad, that means maybe some circumstance dictates that he plays for the bills again. And I just don't think he should ever play in this town again. I just don't. I'm good with that. I I just, it wouldn't shock me if he plays again on Sunday. I mean, what the hell does Derek Anderson want to come back for? I mean, I I agree with you. Honestly, I mean, if I'm Derek Anderson, I'm like, take your time. Yeah, I'm good, man. You know what I mean? And Alan, you know, maybe he throws today. Maybe, you know, maybe we find out something in in McDermott's press conference, but you might be stuck seeing, uh, you know, seeing Peter. I guess the the question is, why not? The question isn't. You know, if you have a healthy Derek Anderson and 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 Peterman, the the question might be, you know, Peterman or Bar- or Barkley. This this we might have one more super ugly looking uh, starting quarterback. Uh, you know, week. I don't think in. anybody. Whatever, right? I don't, just, dude. I don't think anybody wants anything more in this world than Sean McDermott wants Nate Peterman to have a great Sunday NFL football game. He wants one. Bad for that guy. That that ship sailed yesterday. For I me. agree. Just so just so you know, you know, and look, I put some money where my mouth is. I threw it on, you know, every social media that I have. I felt like, you know, <laughs> I, I thought the Bills were going to win yesterday's game. I thought I thought it's it, it's really like the first chance Peterman had at at home to. You know, to go and 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 actually, you know, win a football game. I thought it was a winnable football game with Nate Peterman. And while some people actually looked at it as a improvement over weeks past, you know, uh, because of the number of picks and the just the absurd numbers uh, in weeks past, you know, to me yesterday was was the day that I just realized, you know, hey, look, this kid isn't uh, isn't fit for it. Right now. So I, I think if I can get there, I think McDermott can get there. I, I think you're probably right in that, you know, it, it's time for him to just go away for a, a probably a year and a half and uh, and see if he can resurface down the road. I'll root for him then. I, I, I will. Which is odd. He's a very odd, sympathetic figure for me because I'm, I'm not usually into, you know, like people that quote a lot of Jesus stuff in their uh, in their interviews but he'll be a sympathetic figure for me until i'm can hang my hat on something that i'm right about because he sure as shit wasn't it let's talk about LaShawn mccoy for a second here 10 rushes 10 yards four catches 19 yards brandon bean earlier last week said that you know after mccoy wasn't traded that he's clearly in the plans for 2019 starting to think that i'm not sure he should be anymore do you think maybe with all the off-field stuff that's been going on, the trade rumors earlier this season, his age, and the fact that this team is just going absolutely nowhere, that at this point, LaShawn McCoy's mentally checked out. He didn't even talk to the media after the game, by the way. He's been averaging a yard per carry on his last 24 attempts. Is this the guy that you want around it? 
by the way, at $9 million for 2019 too. I'm going to withhold judgment on that until Allen gets back. Uh, I think, you know, when you hear guys support Peterman, you know, you're hearing a lot of guys that, uh, that McDermott and Bean brought in themselves. You're hearing a lot of company men, a lot of companies, a lot of companies speak. Um, I think the reason Sean McCoy's not talking right now is because he would not be able to keep himself from blasting the, you know, the current quarterback situation, because I think that's playing a big role in, uh, in the deficiencies in the run game. There's probably not a person on that roster who thinks less of Nate Peterman's quarterbacking than LaShawn McCoy. And I, I'm hoping he'll be a little bit uh, re-energized when Allen comes back. And and so I don't, I don't have any thoughts on, on Shady until his guy gets back under center. Cause he seems to have formed and somewhat of an unlikely bond there. You know, when, when his, when his guy gets back in there, you know, maybe Shady uh, finishes the season strong and we can feel good about the Bills wanting him in the 2019 plans because I think up until the last couple of weeks, you know, people would have said, "All right, cool." If, you know, if you, you know if you if you plan to keep him around in 19, then let's not trade him for you know a bag of pucks. You know, we're talking shady. We've already talked at length about Peterman. We've touched on Josh Allen, Kelvin Benjamin, Terrell Pryor, et cetera, et cetera. Those guys are getting all the headlines. You know what? We have not talked about probably in a couple of weeks now. That Bills offensive line, they were, yet again, complete trash against the Chicago Bears. And mind you, a Chicago Bears defense that was missing their best player in Khalil Mack. And I'll tell you something that I'm getting really, really sick of hearing. And that's Bills fans and media people for that matter as well, not just fans. So let me apologize for that statement. People saying that the Buffalo Bills have four terrible offensive lineman in their starting lineup, and then Deion Dawkins. Well, I'll tell you what, man, until he proves otherwise, to me, Deion Dawkins is every bit as much a part of the problem as he is a solution. And I don't care what PFF numbers or my buddies at Cover One who are really good at analytical stats and things like that, what they say about Deion Dawkins. I have a pair of eyes. I watch the football games. That guy is missing blocks all over the place. He's committing really stupid penalties. So to me, he's been no better than the other four. That unit collectively, again, not getting the headlines because of who we spent all of our time talking about, but that offensive line against the Bears, yet again, complete trash. Uh, I, I didn't pay much attention, so <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Just, I, I've never hated the offensive line as much as you do. I, I don't think they're... Uh, and and I don't I don't hate Dawkins as as much as you do. I know the play that bugged I don't you on hate Monday, him. I just uh, think that, he's that nowhere near, on Monday night. I just don't think he's nowhere near as good as, as people are giving him credit for. Not at this point, and not a left tackle. I don't think it's as, I don't think it's the position he should be playing going forward. Well, I think it's just a pedigree. I think people are still holding out hope that you know that as a second round draft pick, he'll uh, uh, he'll cement you know that position for years to come. And and maybe they're right. Maybe you're right. You know, if you're if you're changing three fifths of the line, the question then becomes, what are you sacrificing in other areas to do that? You know, are are you drafting linemen? Yeah. So where's the receivers coming from? Okay, where where am I getting the receivers then? You you're going to draft I mean, the receivers too, 
If you got it, I'll tell you what, again, separate topic for another time, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I have a top five pick in the drafts fucking tomorrow, I'm, and if there's an offensive tackle, the number one offensive tackles on the board and I'm the bills and I'm picking fourth, I promise you I'm taking an offensive tackle with the fourth pick of the draft overall. I think that might happen. I mean, I think that that might be uh, a, a position that's available, but that'll be after the after free agency, you know, so we'll see if it uh, if it's if it's still a hole. I'm telling you right now, in a minimum, three-fifths of that Bills offensive line is gone next year. Minimum. 60% of the line gone. Guarantee you it. Let's talk about Sean McDermott real quick. Does it bother you that the Buffalo Bills were losing 28 nothing, four touchdowns down in the second half, and the Bills kicked a field goal? Down four scores before the kick, still down four after the kick. You got to be shitting me. 28 points and you're kicking field goals. Did that bother you? I look McDermott's whack when it comes to stuff like that. He's just corny. I don't think it was necessarily to break the shutout. If he's asked about it today, I think he'll answer that he just wanted to get some momentum and, you know, that he felt like his team, you know, still had some fight left in it, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't believe that he did it strictly, you know, to remove the goose egg. He's just, you know, he's he's whack with you know, stuff like we that. We ain't on the you same know. page today, bro. We're not. I know. I, I wish I, I had, I, you know, that you Donald know. Trump wrong. I wish I had that soundbite. I'm going to have to look for it. So I'm going to yeah, play man. that shit when you're talking. I couldn't agree with you less. He didn't want to get shut out at home. What else would you kick a field goal? You're down four fucking touchdowns in the second half, and you're kicking a field goal. Get out of here. Uh, you know, I felt like it was still still early enough and, and we needed to finish that. Oh, look, I'm telling you shit he's going to say. All right? it's Believe me, it's nails on a chalkboard for me too. You know, he's, he's he says some really dumb things and has some really questionable motives, you know, on game day. But this team is such a mess right now to, to nitpick those uh, in a season this bad. You're just, you know, you're going to be able to nitpick a lot of stuff on your head coach when when your offense is, is this bad, when your team is this bad. I don't think it's a nitpick at all. I just think it's a really, really weak move by a head coach to kick a field goal when you're down four scores. It still leaves you down four scores. I think it sends the wrong message to the team and to the fans. Just a, it's a loser mentality type of play. I'll leave that at, I'll leave that there, Okay. One more thing I want to hit on. Charles Clay, guy leaves in the first quarter with a calf injury, doesn't return. What a colossal failure his big free agent signing turned out to be. It's not that he doesn't have talent. It's that he can't be trusted. He never stays on the field. He never plays four quarters without something happening to him. Always banged up. Just a terrible, terrible signing. When it comes to being able to stay healthy and reliable, he's pretty much useless. Uh, look, the, for me, I've, I've always said this with Clay. Uh, Clay was a toy for Greg Roman because of its the nature of the contract being so front loaded to, you know, so that the Dolphins couldn't uh, couldn't match it uh, because they had just signed Sue. It was, you know, it goes that far back. Sue's on his second team now, but Clay's still on his fucking first, uh, or at least, you know, uh, you know, of that move. Through last year, he was still adequate. This year, he has not been adequate. 
unless he comes on strong and develops a little bit of a uh, rapport with or some chemistry uh, on the field with, uh, with Josh Allen, I would agree that regardless of what he costs, the position needs to be upgraded. Go back. If you went back every Sunday this year on Twitter and followed everyone, you know, all the Bills reporter tweets, I promise you every single Sunday you would read Charles Clay being attended to on the sideline at some point of the game. He just can't play four quarters. That's my problem with him and why there's no, you just can't count on a guy like that. So you can't bring him back. We usually do MVP and LVP, by the way. Do you even want to bother doing that? Is there a game MVP? Do you have one? I don't. No, I don't. No. What about LVP? <laughs> we could go. I know there's a lot of candidates. I'll tell you, though, I don't know that I would give it to Nate Peterman. As bad as his stats were, I thought Pryor deserves it. I think Benjamin deserves it. He pretty much deserves it every week. What about Philip Gaines, by the way? Oh, good, there's my guy. Good defense. There you go. What a fucking weak link Philip Gaines has turned out to be on this defense. I have yet to see a downfield pass that this guy hasn't mauled the yeah, receiver. What the hell? I mean, these are hilarious pass interferences, man. I mean, you know, it, look, it, it's it's kind of a, it's like an umbrella with the with the way the Bills play defense, keep everything in front of you, sort of thing. Uh, and he's okay at doing that. You know what I mean? He'll, he'll, he's a, seems like a decent tackler, you know, that sort of thing, but you get him out into some space, you know, past like the, the 10 or 15 yard mark down, down the field. And he is just mauling somebody. It's, it is the easy, he just gives these refs some of the easiest pass interference calls that they'll ever have to make. He's awful. He ain't shit. It's a position that needs to be upgraded, but you know, it's 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 tough where to prioritize it with everything that's needed on offense. But you know, if they can get their hands on a on a guy that uh, you know that's that's the right fit there, then hopefully that secondary can go back to being uh, you know the sort of juggernaut that it was last year because. You know, I, I don't know how much the, the one week link of, of Philip Gaines is affecting it, but you know, the safeties haven't been nearly what they what they were last year either. No, Jordan Poyer got ran over ran by up. Howard on in route to the end zone Sunday. Look, I mean, man, you asked me early early in the season during camp when that shit was happening with him and you know, his wife and a lot of social media nonsense. I, I said, you know, it won't matter to me until it until I see anything on the field. He seems like the uh, you know a young enough kid that just can kind of uh, tune it out. He has had a terrible year two of his Bills career. Well, I don't know if terrible is the right word. I would definitely say inconsistent. He hasn't been as good as he was last year. And I could also say the same about Micah Hyde as well. They've had some good games and good moments, but they just haven't than the impact players that they were a year ago. And maybe Gaines has something to do with that. I'm sure a lot of other factors as well. Anyway, let me ask you one more Bills thing, and then I want to be done talking about the Bills, talk about a couple other things here. As a fan, I mean, I've known you for 30 years. I know your stick. I know how you are. You're pissed off after a terrible game on Sunday, Monday, maybe Tuesday. But by Wednesday, you're starting to find yourself motivation to look forward to Sunday and watching the Bills play again. But given how bad this team is right now, at least the offense, 
and the fact that they still have four more home games. Let's assume they lose on the road against the Jets this week. That would bring them to 2-8. and eight. Four games still remaining at home. It's getting colder. The weather's turning. The offense is miserable. The vibe at the stadium is probably going to be miserable, especially as it gets colder, and they got nothing to play for. What motivation do Buffalo Bills fans still have to go to these last set of home games, or are they going to start going on StubHub and listing their tickets for 4 or $5 or something crazy like that? I think the minimum is six because I always see $6 tickets on StubHub. Eesh. I've never seen one less than six. I think you go to these games if, if Allen, you know, comes back. I think you go to these games if you, if you want to see uh, how Allen looks and you go to these games to get, you know, to get drunk and hang out, which is what people basically have done. And, you know, for December football games for the last 15 years, uh, you know, I mean, did you watch other games yesterday besides the Bills game? By the way, pour the champagne. 1972 Dolphins. Only NFL's perfect season remains intact after the Saints defeated the previously unbeaten Rams. Yeah. Um, Littlest Pucks had a, had a hockey game, uh, but the Rams and Saints were on in the lobby. So Fun I caught some of that. And I, and, and I caught a, a good chunk of uh, of Green Bay and, uh, and New England. So... I struggle uh, big time to stay engaged with uh, with with football when the Bills are bad. It's one of the reasons why I love baseball, man, because nothing gets me down. I just I stay engaged in baseball, you know, from from April till no- November now. But yeah, when when my hometown team is just unwatchable, it's tough. It's it's tough for me to really get into much else. It feels like Brady wins that game every time. That type of game. Doesn't it? Yeah. Just how he wins those games. No, I was at a house party uh, Saturday night with some with some friends out here in Florida, and you know a pretty spirited debate broke out about you know one of those classic who's the best quarterback ever topic. Nobody. I was vaguely. I don't like to get involved in those conversations. I talk about sports enough, you know, doing this podcast and just you know conversations with my buddies and shit. So I try to stay out of it. But there's like six, seven people. Nobody even said Brady. Like, what? You guys are stupid. Well, it's, uh, on a side note, it's good to see you're, you know, finally starting to make some friends down there. Well, it's I would call like them friends. Fucking they're, three they're years. Friends, 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 <laughs> of, friends of a friend. I have one friend, and they're friends of a friend. Let's, gotcha. Let's put it that way. I do, listen, man. There is one guy. I'm not going to talk about him because he could have been a Buffalo Bill. Oh God, it's depressing to think about Patrick Mahomes right now and the Bills trading out of that spot when they could have had him. I don't want to think about that. But you have him in a league that me and you are both in, and I have them in a Yahoo league. How fucking sweet is Patrick Mahomes, man? Just from a football standpoint, I find them when I'm at, whenever I have the Sunday ticket, every time the Bills go to commercial, I'm just annoyed. I want to turn off. I always put the Chiefs on. That offense is as fun to watch as any offense I can remember in quite a while. Yeah, he's dope, man. I mean, I've never really seen much other than the other than the highlights, and and it does oh. it does hurt it does hurt to watch him, but. You know, if you know, if you know anything so about uh, if you, if you follow much when it comes to Terry Pagula and Sean McDermott, it's a pretty safe bet you're not going to see a cat with a fucking tapered haircut behind center for the Buffalo Bills anytime. So that is funny and true. So we're at the halfway point of the season, actually a week past it. Probably should have done this last week, but whatever. If you had a ballot to cast right now, 
for NFL MVP, who'd be your top three? Well, I think we just were talking about one of them. I think Mahomes is in that conversation. Give me two more. Ram, I think a Ram needs to be, and I, I might say uh, Gurley over Goff. So we'll say Mahomes, Goff, uh, and then the you know clearly uh, the third would be uh, uh, Jimmy Baroquez, most likely. <laughs> no, no, Drew Brees. Huh? I got Mahomes, Brees, and Goff. That's my top three right now. Yeah, Mahomes, Brees, and Goff. I, 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 I like having Gurley over Goff. So I like. I, I'm obviously serious about. Uh, Mahomes and Gurley, and uh, I think my third, because a couple names did come in before before the Bills punter jumped into my head. Uh, former, I would go, I former, would go, I, former, former, or actually, no, my bad, injured. He's IR, he's, he's still IR. current, my bad. He's still on the Madden roster. I'd put Cam in there, too. I'd say uh, the, the third would be some, you know, I would pay some attention to the stats and and make a choice between, uh, uh, between Drew Brees and, and Cam. All right, fair that's enough. That's a that's a that's a quiet little six and two, seven and two, or whatever, right there, man. Yeah, they're good, man. They're good. I watched a little bit of that game uh, yesterday against Tampa Bay. Let's switch gears for a few minutes here. I want to talk Sabers. They're seven, six and two through their first fifteen games. It's good for sixteen points. And if the playoffs were to start today, they're in the playoffs. Now, listen, granted, it's ridiculously early to even contemplate playoffs, especially when you're talking about the Buffalo Sabers. It is only the beginning of November, but you know what, man? Whatever. Compared to recent years, this team is literally out of it by the end of October. It's a nice change of pace. I know you got some things about this team that you're not crazy about right now, but overall, 15 games in, you got to be pretty happy with how this team's looking. Absolutely. But I'm not one of those people who gets happy when I get angry by a loss, you know, and I understand where people are coming from. Like, it feels good to get mad when they, you know, lose a game that they should have won because, you know, Lundquist stole it or or something like that. Or it feels good to, you know, to get angry uh, about a game where they were trailing three nothing, but, you know, made it close, that sort of thing. It, it never feels good to me, all right, to be mad about something. So as much as I'm happy to have a season, I still don't like leaving points on the table. I just don't. Because that's how you end up not being in the playoffs when you leave points on the table that you that you shouldn't. So I, I'd like to to move on from the whole "Hey, it's great to finally have a hockey season" talk. Uh, we don't have to do it today. You know, we'll wait until you know the Bills are are done dominating the uh, the airwaves. But I, I'd like to move on from "It's great to have a hockey season" to let's actually talk about that hockey season. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I do want to give props, and I hate to do this, but I have to do it, man. I got to be a man about it. Much respect due to the Boston Red Sox. Winning the World Series. It's their fourth ring they've won this century. They ain't going anywhere either, especially if they keep investing in the pitching that they got. I mean, they got Betts, Benettini, Bradley, Devers. Those are all young studs. J.D. Martinez is in his prime still. Much props to the Red Sox, man. You called it. You said they were the best team all year. And they they deserved it, man. They deserve to be World Series champs right now. Yeah, well, you're you're a, a pretty big man to to admit to that. I give you credit for that. Uh, it would be hard as someone who prides himself on knowing what they're talking about when it comes to baseball not to give that team credit. So I, I don't know that they really left you much of a choice. But yeah, man, they were fabulous. They did everything right, and I think one of the your most impressive things is is yeah they spent the money on sale and 
you know, they spent it on price and, and not a lot of teams are able to come back from, you know, from a David Price signing that doesn't work out as it relates to a regular season performance. Anyways, he was certainly good in the postseason, but, you know, not a lot of teams have enough money where they could overcome the kind of money that they threw at Price, you know, and, and afford for him to be average. So there is that component, but, you know, there's a lot of homegrowns on that team, man, and I'm sure a ton of them were asked about uh, as as trade chips in previous years where the Red Sox, you know, were were in the conversation, you know, in competition to win series in previous years. But they never they were never Betts was never going to be uh, was never going to be moved. Everyone knew that he was untouchable. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure in his younger years, I'm sure. You know, Ben Attendee was asked for. I'm sure Bogarts was asked for. I'm sure Devers was asked for. Bradley, I mean, you name it, man. I'm I'm sure, you know, a lot of these uh a, a lot of these young players were were asked about and they resisted the urge to trade them and now they have their payoff. And it was just man, it was a it was a good baseball team. And I love the fact too that, you know, like chiseled veteran baseball clubhouse guys. Uh, like Steve Pierce came in and contributed to it, man. They were, you know, they, they they may not be the idiots that broke, you know, that broke the curse, but this was a deserving team and a one that was about more than just the payroll. And and they were a fun follow for me, at least during the course of the year, because the Blue Jays were out of it early. My son caught a game in, in Fenway. And so, you know, I, I paid some attention and um, I, I don't think this was a, a bad for baseball World Series champion at all because it wasn't just about money. So it was a fun baseball season. Uh, I've already moved on to to nineteen. The uh, the big board, you know, the scouts are out there. We're uh, we need to hit the ground running. We need so, we need a fucking championship in nineteen. Yeah, you know what? Fuck the Red. How Sox. was your eighteen? Eighteen. How far did you get? Did I didn't get. I didn't make the playoffs, and you fucking know it. <laughs> Fuck fantasy baseball. Yes. Fuck the Boston Red Sox. Dude, let's do something fun here real quick. Before we get out of here with the puck drop and shit like that, I was looking through, I don't know why I do this, but every now and then I look through the billboard charts and I just want to see if I recognize people on it. And almost all, I don't know why I even bother doing it because I don't, I don't know who at least half these artists are anymore. But what I did do today, I was doing a search. I said, you know what? I want to know where the charts were 30 years ago. So I went back 30 years, the week ending November uh, 5th through 11th, 1988. I'm going to run off this top 10 to you because again, if I run off the top 10 on today's charts, neither of us are going to know 75% of the songs. I want to know how many of these songs you remember or remember well in quick thought, if you remember them and what you thought of them at the time. If I remember, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing a line from each one that I remember. <laughs> All right. Well, here was number 10. Again, this is November 5th through 11th, 1988. You were a sophomore in high school. I was a junior. Number 10, Breathe, How Can I Fall? Remember that? Oh, how can yep. I fall? Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. All right. Got it. Number nine was Red Red Wine by UB40. That's yeah, a everybody. that's a cover song. You ain't got to sing that fucking shit. Yeah, here's one. Know. Here's one that I honestly. And this is going to be embarrassing. Sal Capaccio will be mad at me. Our, our friends Eric and Annalise are going to hate me over this. Desire by U2. I don't remember that song, man. Oh, uh-huh. Desire. All right. That's U2. Yeah, I used to. 
at Campbell's. All right, well, then I do know this song. I didn't. Now that you said it, I remember. All right. What's incredible is that, like, you knew it within one note coming out of my mouth. I did. (laughs) That's you. I must have done really good then. Put that on the little, you know, the little squiggly thing that just I don't give the, all I ever listened to. All right, man, don't give the fans too much here. You got to leave them wanting more. Plus, honestly, I don't want to be getting sued for violation of music licensing and shit like that. All right, so number seven, we have In Excess, Never Tear Us Apart. I remember that song, obviously. Well, sing it to me. I don't remember. No, I'm not going to sing it. I don't like it enough to sing it. Number six, one oh, more. One and no- you could never yep. tear us apart. That's it. Six. <laughs> Whitney. Whitney was at six. One moment in time. This had to be one of her last hits of the 80s anyway, but I love this song. It was the Olympic theme song. Remember that? One moment in yeah, time. Give me one moment in time. Oh, dear. The Moranalytics podcast is officially tanking at this point. Five. Bon Jovi. Bad medicine. Your love is like bad medicine. All right. Four. The locomotion. I thought Kylie Minogue. Monogue. I don't remember her name that well. Kylie Minogue. I thought she was a one-hit wonder. She had that song, Can't Get You Out of My Head. But this song was number four, The Locomotion. Don't really care. I'm sure you don't either. So moving on. Number three. One of my favorite slow jams of the 80s, actually. Phil Collins. Groovy Kind of Love. Oh yeah, I know it. <laughs> but you don't want to sing that one. You're not about. No, I'm trying to. I'm you trying, ain't never I, been I, about. You've never I, been about the love songs, anyway, man. I've never been about Phil Collins. We've had this conversation. Yeah, we have. I'm a little hung up on locomotion, though. I'm trying to number two. I keep wanting to sing the older version of locomotion. The Escape Club, Wild Wild West. That was number oh, two. Yeah. Number one, thirty years ago, as we record this, Kokomo. By the Beach Boys. Wow. It feels like that, that was born in 30 years ago, doesn't it? Oh, that Kokomo, by that was like, that song was terrible. I mean, Kokomo is, that was like, like Thurman finishing his career or a dolphin or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that was, that fucking song was a sellout. Do you remember what movie that, what that song came from? It was on a soundtrack. Oh, wait a minute. Um, Cocktail with Tom Cruise. Yes. Good. Yes. Well done. Yeah. That's well yeah. done, man. Well done. Well done. Thanks, man. I loved Elizabeth Shue and Cocktail. Well, I mean, how could you not? Elizabeth Shue was hot as hell. All right. Let's get to our final segments of the week. Yours is the puck drop. What do you got this week? I know it's Buffalo Sabres related. Wow. That really was fun. When you said, let's do something fun and then started talking about music. I was like, how the fuck is we go from, we should start doing that more often. I mean, I won't do it, you know, the same year because then it'll be the same songs, but maybe next time we'll do like songs from like 84 or something at this time. I mean, if I can sing a few of them, I'm always going to be down. And I think the, the, uh, I think the listeners will too. I really do. Yeah. They uh, can't get enough of your vocals. Yeah. All right. We'll swing back to the Sabres on that. Uh, and yeah, I, I lashed out a little bit last night, mainly because I thought both goals uh, that happened within like 19 seconds of each other were against this line. And I, I later found out that I was wrong about that. But I have not liked the line of Middlestat, Reinhardt, and Sherry. And a big reason for that, I think, just goes, it constantly goes back to Reinhardt for me. 
I'm not going to just give you an opinion on on Sam Reinhardt and and call that the puck drop. I'm going to tell you what I think to be Jason Botterill's opinion of him. And I don't think it's as high as some people who like to lean on the puck possession stats to, you know, to talk about his value to this team. I think it was very telling when he did not negotiate with him last year when, you know, when Jack was a priority and, you know, he said flat out, you know, we're, we're just going to play this season out with with Reinhardt and he didn't attack him. You know, he being Botterill didn't attack him really strong uh, in this pass off season either. And I think he really lowballed him. And I think, you know, there are signs that that point to Jason Botterill not really feeling like, you know, he's he's the long term answer. And I think if you're going to sign Skinner, uh, as as people now obviously are clamoring for him to do, I think that, you know, Skinner gets Reinhardt's money. And I, I don't think Reinhardt sees another contract from the Sabres. And I don't think he should because when, you know, you could point to Casey Middlestad all you want as the centerman of line two. Everybody knew that Middlestat, you know, you know, was going to take some work this year. That he that he wasn't completely uh, ready to take the reins and uh, and be the secondary scorer and the line two, uh, you know, contributor. But Sam Reinhardt should be okay. Sam Reinhardt should be able, if he's not with Jack, he should be able to carry a line that's only the only thing that you're looking for out of that line is a complementary. Uh, line to, you know, to that stud first line that they put together. And if I can't get that from, from Reinhardt, and it's not like he's playing with absolute duds, you know, that he has to carry. He's playing with a couple guys that uh, one, uh, a, a great prospect in middle stat. And the other is someone who has seen some time in a top six in this league. And he can't do anything to elevate that line. And I'm just done. I'm, I'm, I'm done when I think about the future, when I think about the team that competes for the Eastern Conference titles and, and whatever else, it does not include Sam Sam Reinhardt. And I think that that's more than just a, a, a Tone Puck's opinion. I think that's that's the opinion of Jason Botterill as well. To be honest with you, I'm still kind of hung up on your futile singing attempts. Oh, come on, man. I nailed some of that. You did. One or two of them weren't too bad. Listen, I got two pet peeves for this week. One, Bills fans singing along to the shout song after a field goal when you're down 28 points in the second half. I mentioned that deficit earlier in, in this podcast. You're down 28 points. You're kicking a field goal and you're screaming, singing along to the shout song. That shit really bothers me. So that's one. Two, I also have that feeling of obligation to wish people a happy birthday on Facebook that you don't really care about, and subsequently you mail it in with that birthday wish. You got to throw the wish because, you know, some people literally will go to their friends list one or two days after their birthday and check their wall and remember who didn't wish them a happy birthday. And to be fair, I know this because I'm one of those people who do that as well. So (laughs) I do. I admit it. So Bills fans singing a shout song when you're kicking a field goal down four touchdowns and having to... Wish people a happy birthday on Facebook that you really don't care about. Those are definitely my two pet peeves of the week. I would like to comment on both of those and say that I think it's very possible that the majority of the people singing the shout song were doing so sarcastically and not, uh, you know, elatedly. 
And I would also like to say that you could simply join the uh, the, the very small, uh, uh, understandably, faction of people that don't wish a happy birthday at all because I fall into that group. I, I <laughs> never wish, I don't wish anybody a happy birthday on, uh, on Facebook. I mean, seriously, it's just, it, it just keeps you out of trouble with, you know, who you do and who you don't wish a happy birthday to. I wish <laughs> nobody uh, a happy birthday, but I'll say this. All right. And I don't know that I've ever liked any of O'Sherry's families, uh, you know, posts. Cause you know, I got into that, that mix where I had to like, you know, become friends with like the whole family. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. one, the sister, the, the, the sister got a love out of me, uh, this past week when, and I can't even credit her cause she didn't know what the hell was going on. It was her husband, uh, who, who dressed the kid up, but they sent their two-year-old, uh, they dressed their two-year-old as Johnny Lawrence, from the Karate Kid, and I flat out, I loved that one, dude. That one got that one got the heart and everything. I mean, he had the Cobra Kai patch on his back, little two year old kid. I mean, it was it was beautiful, good stuff. That can be my my. How shout old out. was the kid? Like two, man. I don't know. He's like he's like two years old. Yeah, that's solid, man. That's a uh, that's Facebook heart worthy for sure. All right, so as I do every week, going to end the segment with a shout-out. This week, my shout-out goes to Canadian rocker Brian Adams. By the way, we're going to keep with that 80s music thing today. Anyway, Brian Adams turns 59 years old as we're taping this today on Monday. That dude, I'll tell you what, was quietly one of my favorite singers of the 80s. I mean, you think about the great music acts of the 80s, Michael Prince, Madonna, Whitney, all that. You don't think of Brian Adams, but you know what? You go back and you look at all the big 80s hits he had. That dude was a beast. He was an 80s rock hit machine. Got anyone you want to give a shout out to? One Night Love Affair. (laughs) All right, that'll do it for this episode. Big thanks once again to my guy, Tone Pucks. Pavel Pucks, always enjoy doing that. We got to talk Bills, Sabres, baseball, even a little 80s music talk. By the way, I really like that. I think we're going to start doing a lot more of that. Coming up on Friday's show, eh, I don't know who it's going to be, but I will have a guest. We'll have a good conversation. It'll be a fun time. Trust me, take my word for it. If you haven't done so already, please go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Subscribe to this podcast. It's quick, it's easy, it's free. New episodes automatically get sent right to your phone or to your computer, play them and keep them, play them and delete them. If you don't want to take up the memory on your phone, do whatever you want to do, but subscribe. And if you don't have Apple Podcasts or iTunes, you can also catch us on Player FM, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere for the most part that future award-winning podcasts are heard. You can also follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Have a good week. One more thing. Today's Tuesday. Get out there and vote today. I don't care what state you live in. I don't care what political race it is that's going on. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. Just get out there and vote. Make your voice count. We need to vote. No matter, again, it doesn't matter your preference. It matters that you get out there and you vote. So please go ahead and do that. Have a nice, safe rest of the week. We'll have plenty to talk about on Friday. Talk to you then.